All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania. It is a beautiful, crisp fall morning here in Eastern PA. And I'm joined as always by my good buddy and counterpart, Steve Parisi, president and CEO of IBC Global. Steve, good morning, good day, how are you? Morning, Mike, fantastic over here. Thank you for asking and always a pleasure to talk all things cash value life insurance with you. Right on. So, uh, today, we, there's a couple of things we want to talk about today. One is, um, you know, what happens when your typical solution, not that there is a typical solution, but, you know, it, it, if you have to go off the path or maybe if something's something's not the right fit. I mean, you, you have to run into the cases now and then where, you know, cash accumulation, whole life policy might not make sense. Correct. Um, I mean, I can think of a couple of scenarios that you and I have been involved in where somebody was really biting off more than they could chew or getting involved in something that they didn't really fully understand. But that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about something where uh, maybe there's another solution that's going to work better. So I'm sure that's something that comes up, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had a recent case, actually, we get them on occasion, but a recent one where someone was looking at a large dollar amount um, it was between a quarter million and up to $400,000. They wanted to move into a policy very, very quickly and then be able to access that money within a few months uh, for a real estate purchase because they've done well in their real estate investments. They know exactly what they're doing. Like that's their moneymaker. Um, they're almost retired as well. So once they retire, they'll just be focusing on real estate. But they like the idea of a cash value life insurance policy where I can pump money into the product, continues to compound when I borrow against it, like a line of credit, all of that fun stuff. But looking at the numbers and having a conversation with them, it didn't it didn't really make sense. Um, one, just we hit on some points just to clarify how the product worked. Um, but just to to kind of back up before I get into all, all of the details or we talk through the details, when I looked at that situation and when I look at any situation, what I'll ask myself first before saying anything to the prospect or client is if this was me, would I want it? With the particular situation that they have, the dollar amount, how they want to pull the money out quickly, if this was me, would I do this? Yes or no, right? Immediate reaction, just knowing the product inside and out, not try to justify it. Well, if you do this, like if it was me, would I want to do it the way that, that, that they're considering doing it? And their situation was a no for me, and it still is. And the reason why is uh, there's a, a lot to it. But before we look at the, the loan feature of the policy, what they wanted to do was take a lump sum of money, at least a quarter million dollars initially, and move it into a life insurance policy. And then have the ability to borrow against the payment they just made, call it $200,000 for real estate. But before we talked about borrowing, the husband made a comment. He said, okay, my understanding with this, Steve, is that I can pay this quarter million into a policy. And if the dividend rate is over 5.5% or 6%, that's what my money's growing by, right? And right there, it's like, good question. A lot of people do do feel that that you put yeah <laughs> that you put money into a policy and earn the dividend. However, 
that dividend rate is always applied to your cash value after the insurance company takes out all of their insurance expenses and everything that comes with the life insurance policy. So year one, you paid in 250, your cash value was 215, 220, whatever it was. What do you see there? Well, if I paid in 250 and I've got 220, it's a loss of $30,000. It doesn't sound like a 6%. No. And, and, and the thing is, like when you and I see that on an illustration, we often think, okay, people are aware of that because that's the first thing I see as far as that negative hit on my money. Right. But just having a conversation, talking through that point, not assuming that he and his wife understand that and understand it as well as I do is like don't we don't want to assume that people know every detail take your time and go through things how you like it when people take their time and go through things with you when you're trying to learn about it so hit on that and he goes okay then we looked at the next year the IRR was like almost flat at zero percent or slightly negative and it picked up each year but if we even looked at you know say year four if the IRR is two percent that particular year if he's borrowing against it at 5%, it's a negative 3% spread. Not what he thought as far as earning the dividend rate of almost 6%. Okay, I can earn 6%, borrow at 5%, it's a positive spread. It's like, no. On paper, it looks like that, but in reality, it's not. We've got to look at the net growth rate, the net internal rate of return, especially if you're looking to take out max loans. Um, if you're not taking max loans, I like to look at what's the actual dollar amount the policy is growing by, how much did I receive in total dividends and guaranteed interest from the insurance company, and then how much did I pay in interest, then I can see, did I get more money or did I pay more money? Like, <laughs> which one's easier to look at? So like that person in particular, what, what do you end up talking to him about? Yeah. So um, we recommended that the strategy he wanted to move forward with was not a good idea. And he, he agreed with that. He kind of mentioned it himself first, just as he was talking to himself and we we're talking through it. It's like, I, I don't know if this really makes sense. I'm like, it doesn't. <laughs> just as we're going through the numbers. When it does make sense, Mr. Client, is when we look at the IRR and the cash value growth after a few years with what you want to do with the maximum loans, here's what the numbers would look like. He goes, okay, that, that I can justify, but I've got this big deal coming up within the next few months that I need this money for. So, I mean down the road doesn't help me. So I'm like, all right, well, what I would do then, if we flip positions, here's exactly what I'd like to progress through, is I would not try and force this policy to work because if it, you feel like it's a burden, in addition to seeing the numbers not working, you're gonna be stressed out over it and just, it's never, it's always ugly, almost always ugly in those situations. What I would do is perhaps look at a smaller policy where you can start with a lower dollar amount, build it up, and then in a few years, you can easily use it for other deals, or you can start a large policy in a couple of years, or perhaps after this next investment pays you back the money you're expecting, then go all in. Um, but the answer it's to- It's so hard for a consumer to flip from short-term to long-term. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I let people know too, like you can access, if you've got 220 grand that you've got available in cash value in the first year, you can access that. That is your money and people we work with do access it. Right. But the main thing I just like to make people aware of is the fact that I might have 220, but I paid in 250, so I've got that negative hit. 
And why I lean into that point is where people have buyer's remorse is finding out after the fact that, okay, this is not what I thought it was. I wish someone would have told me that, whether it's a small item or big item. It's little things like that that just feel like a, a thorn in someone's side. Like, wait, so-and-so didn't tell me this kind of stuff. It's like, just take your time and go through it yeah. and get the hard part, the negative stuff out of the way first. Um, and then it makes life easier for everyone, especially the consumer, which the focus is, is on them. Do you ever find yourself or, or some of your um, downline agents getting so wrapped up or focused on like, the ultimate goal strategy that it's hard to pull away and go in different directions. Meaning, you know, sometimes you're probably working on a case that doesn't have one big solution has a couple of different solutions maybe that are, that are the best fit, but you get so laser focused on like, you know, maximize cash value or best IRR or whatever it is. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Um, so what I what I like to do in that case, because uh, our agents and I'm I've been guilty of this too. Sometimes we go back to what we're used to, what we're very good at, which is what you just mentioned. How do I maximize the cash value? What's the internal rate of return? IRR compared to the loan rate? All that fun, cool stuff about life insurance policies. And yeah, I'm a nerd as I hear myself say that, but. <laughs> If someone's asking questions or has a different objective, the most important thing to do in that situation is listen to the individual and listen to things very, very closely and then model the plan or model the the solution or strategy around what they want, not what you're used to. And if you don't know, say, hey, that's a good question. I haven't dealt with that before, but someone else in my office has. Let me touch base with them. Can I tie them into this call or we can connect later today at another time that works well for you? Um, This is not my area of expertise. Like you've got to be okay saying that and you've got to have the the confidence too that if I say that, okay, the person might lose some confidence in me with what they want to do, but we are going to take care of them. Don't try and pretend to be something that you're not not, because that's that's where problems pop up. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about something that I was always really frustrated with is the, the folks, uh, whether it's client or the the advisor, where it's like if the, uh, you know, I've got a lump sum that I want to get into some kind of cash accumulation vehicle. And sometimes that that total amount doesn't work, whether it's product limitations or mech limitations. And a lot of times I found the person on the other line that I'm talking to is like, wow, this isn't going to work then. You know? Well, <laughs> okay. and I never understood that. It's like, well, it, 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 you know, conceptually this is a good idea. So like I think it's a good idea whether it's a hundred thousand dollars of premium or ten thousand dollars of premium. And you know, it just might mean a little more uh, slow and steady in the early years, as opposed to like a big lump sum. Do you guys ever struggle with that? Um, I used to quite a bit. So a situation, as an example, someone's got a half a million dollars in cash. They want to move it into a policy, but they want to get it into a policy in one year. I want to move it all into the policy in the first year, which requires a high death benefit from a MEC limit standpoint. 
that, that they might not qualify for. The underwriter says no way and no insurance company will do that um, no matter how much they can't afford it. Like it's, there's times it's just not going to happen. Um, so <laughs> in a case like that, from the consumer's perspective, they're thinking, what's wrong with this insurance company? I've got a half a million dollars here. Do they not want my money? They don't want my money. Correct. But the underwriter is thinking, why, why is the agent telling them that they can do something that based on our financial guidelines is not allowed? We're not going to allow it. So you've got this friction occurring all over the place. So in a case like that, I have seen where clients say, well, if I can't do it this way, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to do it. And I get it. Like, it's always up to the consumer. We're going to accommodate to them. Yep. But what I'll look at here is if you've got a lump sum of half a million dollars up front, for this is from experience, I'll let them know, okay, based on your income, financials, it might be difficult just based on guidelines that the insurance companies have. I can share those with you, no problem. Um, but it might be difficult to get the full half million into the policy. With that said... I can show you how to break that up over two years, which we can actually do over six months if we do things right and get it into the policy very quickly. And the performance will actually look a little bit stronger too when we look at the cash value. Would that be something you're interested in seeing or that's something you don't want to entertain? Ask that question first. Don't force it on them because if we try and force it, if I force it on you where your mindset is, I'm paying this all in one shot, but then I show you something else, no good. If I ask you, is it okay if I show you this and you can see the difference in performance and such? All right, yeah, I'll take a look. And then they'll see the numbers. And this is from a design perspective, how we'll set it up to look at it. And then you get that, I like that one a little bit more. I've got more money there. So now all of a sudden you've completely like overcome the problem there just with having knowledge on, call it design, and then asking the client if they'd like to see it first and let them decide. And if they're still stuck on option one, um, that's okay. Just let them know. We'll push for it and we'll let you know the maximum we can get. But it might be closer to option two. Just be up front. I always found it interesting, like as a consumer, I feel like if I had a goal of, you know, $5,000 a month into, you know, pick a vehicle. And for whatever reason, somebody came back to me and said, you know what, we can do this, but you can only do $2,500 a month. I think I would just be like, all right, well, I've got $2,500 a month left over that yeah, I can do something else with or yeah, do this again. Or, you know, like I, I never, it was always like, I always felt like it was like a quick yeah reaction of like wow this isn't going to work then it always surprised me that that was that's that's a lot of times the mentality yeah i i do get people it people are so focused <clears throat> on like max max funding maximize everything you know <laughs> i agree with that yeah we had a recent case um it was a smaller amount young guy he lives in new york right so you know life insurance in the state of new york is challenging just based on the guidelines there Stri extremely strict compared to all other states. Um, he wanted to pay in $30,000 per year into a policy with Mass Mutual, um, could easily afford it based on his earned income, other sources of income he had, no problem at all. Um, and the base premium was $3,000, so a lot of flexibility, like very, very easy. However, based on New York State guidelines, Mass Mutual was stuck on $20,000 and they were not budging no matter how many 
favors we tried to pull, like it was stuck because of New York State guidelines. So communicated everything with the client, went over um, details, the policy strategy, and what he ended up doing is first what you just mentioned said, okay, if the max I can do with Mass Mutual, like I want to do this, if it's 20K, I'll do that. From an alternative, I still want to get a total of 30K into the policy. What do I do? So what we did there was take out a separate policy with Guardian, where his minimum commitment is about a thousand bucks for the term rider. It's thirteen hundred bucks per year, and he can pay up to ten thousand dollars per year. So now, from an affordability standpoint, it's still very easy for him. The Guardian one, he's doing ten k per year, but he's committed to a minimal amount. It doesn't hurt him at all. So you you can still do it. It's just having different options available, and not just saying here's a good idea, here's the alternative. Like okay. Here's what we ran into. Here's what it looks like if we just take this. Would you still like to try and get the 30K in? Yes, I would. Well, here's an alternative. Here it is compared to the original option, all with Mass Mutual. Now we've got option B, everything side by side. So they can still see it instead of feeling, okay, I'll just do it because I wanted to do it originally. And then they come back to you later and say, this is different than what I wanted. It's like, no, no, let's get it all up front, invest the time. And then we've got a, a satisfied outcome at the end of the day. I guess it, I guess at the end of the day, um, uh, shameless, shameless promotion uh, for Mike and Steve, uh, for any brokers listening out there. I mean, you, you know, we do have the experience of working through, you know, uh, hundreds, if not thousands of these types of cases and clients and concerns and issues. Um, so sometimes it, it is a little bit easier, uh, you know, for us to kind of navigate or tiptoe through these scenarios and still have a good conclusion as opposed to just, you know, kind of getting stuck in the mud. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Thank you for that. <laughs> so uh, if anybody's interested in anything that we were talking about today or anything that we've talked about on any of our uh, podcast discussions, feel free to reach out to me, Mike Courtney. I'm brokerage director with Mass Mutual Eastern Pennsylvania, or my counterpart here is Steve Parisi. He's the president and CEO of IBC Global. And we look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for listening. Steve, have a great day. You too. Thanks so much, Mike. Enjoy.